Oh, he'd love to hear that. Puff his chest out. Yeah, you, if you want that a kind of anointing, then you have to cry out to God for it and be hungry for it. I was real proud of the people that came on Sunday night. We had a good group Sunday night. You have to put a demand on the gift. Do you understand when I say that? When we talk about five full ministry gifts. People come in here because we've been here so long they take me for granted. Ah, it's Pastor Mike. So there's no demand on the gift, and then there's no anointing. What did he say? Oh, she was laughing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Anybody else? Uh, yeah. Yeah. See, now, that's what you're going to minister on Sunday, words. So you need to come and support Timothy Scott. Amen. Well, let's stand up tonight. Let's take some time and, and worship God. And, and uh, I got my grapes. Yeah, I wonder who... New wine. Yeah, I don't want him stepped on.
Apostle Mike, the fruit, Lord God, that will remain in the days ahead. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. Even this night, we thank you, Father, for your living word. Quicken the word to us. Soften our hearts so our hearts are good ground to receive your word. We thank you, Lord, you're opening our spiritual eyes to see 
and our ears to hear what you're speaking in this hour in Jesus name and all God's people said amen all of you wave at that lady back there in the back amen praise God you may be seated at the end of the service we've got a couple of things we ought to pray for um Carl Fuelberth's mother passed away, and that funeral is Saturday in Osmond. And then, the, then uh, when is it Friday evening? Visitation. So remember them in your prayers. And Kathy took them some food, and and uh, their family's trying to get back here. And I guess airfare is a thousand dollar ticket. Ridiculous, for you know. And this one was coming for Gunner from Arizona, I guess. So. Um, and then we, then Laura has a, a real important prayer request, and I'm going to let Pastor Brad pray about that because it's dealing with a baby. Um, tonight we're going to go on, and, and uh, I want to finish about the apostle. We, we really can't give justice to the fivefold ministry gifts, just teaching it. But I want you to just have an overview or an understanding of the gifts. You can see Apostle Mike, how he ministers and uh, by the way, we raised $8,500. $8,500. Yeah. And I looked at him. I said, you don't need a mega church. You just need some faithful people that are generous. Yeah. And he was was very pleased. He, he You've got to understand, he's... He's, his gifting is, I mean, as far as an apostolic, you look what he's done in the Philippines. You look how God sent him there with $20 in his pocket and a one-way ticket. And uh, <laughs> just remarkable. And if I have time, then I want to share a story uh, that he told me, and, and it's, a, it's a good illustration. But let me go on and review quick, and then I want to get started because I want to give you. Uh, I'm going to read to you tonight some some pages out of. I've got three books on Smith Wigglesworth. How many have got any books on Smith? And uh, I want to read because he was different. <laughs> and uh, if you'd like to know more about him, you can go on YouTube and type in Lester Summerall Smith Wigglesworth. You'll get a 20-minute thing that will give you an information about um, when Lester was young and in England before World War II, he was able to go to Smith's house. And if you, some of you don't know who Lester Summerall was, but he was a very, uh, he was apostolic, he was prophetic, he went all over the world, but he was very bold and very blunt and uh, Smith Wigglesworth put his hands on Lester, and, and when I was in Bible school at Ramah, they sat him in a chair, and we filed through, and he laid hands. So hands were laid on my head by a man that his hand, Smith Wigglesworth's hands were laid on his head. And I believe in the transference of anointing. So get ready for me to slug some of you. Yeah, what what I read about Smith is he wouldn't let him do any surgery on him. He had kidney stones. He passed hundreds of stones. 
to the point he would go and minister at night, come home, and take off his clothes, and his undergarments were soaked with blood. But he got the victory. Yeah, better man than me. <laughs> God is restructuring his church for the end time outpouring of the Holy Spirit. How many of you sense that? This will require change on our part individually as believers and corporately as a church body. Now, I'm not going to turn there, but we've talked about the, the new wineskins versus the old wineskins in Luke chapter 5. Then we gave you Ephesians 4, which gave you what are the fivefold ministry gifts? Apostle, evangelist, pastor, teacher. We said the unique characteristic of a ministry gift is the anointing of God. As the anointing flows through an individual's heart, it breaks the bondage off of other people's lives. We said there can be no mighty spiritual awakening in our day without a great shaking of our church, organizations, leaders, and structures. Is that going on right now? Sure is. One of the major changes will have to do with the full operation of what we call the fivefold ministry gifts. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. The church, and this, this is what I want you to, to see and because I was talking with Caden, he's all excited about unity, and we all need to be excited about unity. But this statement helped me understand, because you're not going to go out there in the community and knock on other preachers' doors and tell them you want to be in unity with them. Try it. I dare you. Because it ain't going to happen. And just, by the way, tell them, oh, by the way, I speak in tongues. Then, find out. The door might get slammed in your face, huh? Caden, Caden was going, where'd you go to the nunnery? Monastery. And sat with the nuns. With the college students go through um, northeast. And he has a friend. And they all went and sat. And, but I'll tell you, you can sit down and talk to the nuns. Because there's some good nuns. There's some good tongue-talking nuns. Amen? We said also the church will never reach its fullness nor any form of unity until all five ministry gifts are functioning, functioning together in the body. We said the apostle is defined as, what is he? Uh, remember? What is he? he? Two words. He's a sent one. A true apostle is a minister sent by God to accomplish a specific work. Galatians 1.1, Paul, an apostle. Not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. Who is the greatest example of the apostle? Jesus Christ. As the Father has sent me, I also sent you. We said every fivefold gift is unique and will operate uniquely. Now, I have, uh, I'll start talking about uh, Mike Keese, Apostle Mike. He, he's not a warm and fuzzy guy. When he comes here, he doesn't ask me, how, really, how are you doing? He doesn't, he, he's very focused on what he's doing. We get along great because we're both type A's and, and we just say it the way it is. But then I'll have Dr. Gant, who's also apostolic. And he'll come in here and you know what? He'll sit down and he'll ask me a hundred questions about me and my family and my kids and everybody. Just different. Then there's Mike Plain. He's apostolic. And he's probably taken more interest in, in my kids than anybody. He called Caleb on, his, on your birthday, didn't he? You know, so they're all different, all different flavors. 
So I want to give you a little different flavor here. I want to read to you um, some stories about Smith, and you'll see that because it's remarkable. You'll learn some things tonight if you'll listen. He says, when he was a chairman of the Great Easter Convention at Preston, Lancashire, he would make short comments between other speakers on the agenda. There was the fullness of the Spirit as he spoke, and once a man in the balcony became so excited that he burst out loudly in other tongues. Wigglesworth looked up to where the man was and clearly called out, You there, be quiet! Now, what if I did that on Sunday morning? Would you fall down and get nervous? When I'm talking, it is not the time for you to speak in tongues. Yeah, that's good. I like speaking in tongues more than any of you, but when someone else is talking, you're out of order to interrupt. He believed in the liberty of the Spirit at the same time insisting that things be done decently and in order. And I'll tell you what, the pastors here want that, decently and in order. At that same convention, he was leading an afternoon meeting when, with hundreds present. Quite suddenly, he stopped his talk and then spoke these words. God has shown me there are people in this meeting bound with a demon of impurity. Whoever you are, wherever you are, stand your feet. That's bold. I could hardly believe he would issue such a challenge openly. He, he did not even ask us to bow our heads. You know, everybody close your eyes. I sat on the platform weeping as I saw people rise to their feet all over the building. Young men, women, middle-aged men and women, even white hair, older people. Pointing to each one, he prayed for them one by one. A young man beneath the balcony as he was prayed for flung his arms in the air and shouted, I'm free, I'm free. Praise God, I'm free. Physically, Wigglesworth was exceptionally strong with a stocky build. Although he was of medium height, the Lord used his physical strength along with holy boldness instilled in him to deal with the witchcraft situation. One of my favorite stories. Wigglesworth was conducting a meeting in a long and narrow meeting room. The main entrance was in the middle of a side wall. The people were seated on movable benches. He related this incident to me personally, saying that as he began to preach, he found himself bound in the Spirit. And folks, if you've ever been a preacher and you're standing behind the pulpit, you can tell when it's, the atmosphere is bound, can't you? Mike, have you ever experienced that? You just want, I want to leave. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know how to describe it. It's just, it's awful. He said, um, he said, I shouted, but nothing happened. I took off my jacket, but nothing happened. I asked father what was wrong. He showed me a line of people on a bench opposite the door. They were holding hands. And I knew at once they were spiritualists who had come to bind up the meeting. So ushers, if you see a row of people and they're holding hands, and I haven't told them to hold hands, there's your sign. So I kept on preaching. But I walked off the platform and down the aisle still preaching. This is Wigglesworth talking. When I got opposite, opposite them, I turned, took hold of the end of the bench, lifted it up and said, Ouch, you devils! 
They slid in a heap by the door, got up, and slunk out. They'd not come for deliverance, so I I didn't cast the devils out of them. I cast them out with the devils in them. We had no, no more problems that night. Arnie Dahl, a Norwegian preacher in America, told me of Wigglesworth meetings in Norway. At one of them, a preacher who could not speak above a whisper came up for prayer. After hearing the man's problem, Wigglesworth said, Look here, man. If you were in business, doing all you could to destroy that business, yet asked me to pray for God to prosper your business, I wouldn't do it. I would tell you to sort out your methods, get your business on a proper proper foundation, then I'd pray. Now, what is the good of me praying that God will heal your voice when you're going to destroy it again by using it wrongly? They didn't have the systems like we do today. If you'll learn to use your voice properly, I'll pray for you. The preacher agreed. Wigglesworth prayed. The man was healed and went on, to, went on to learn that he could use his voice without abusing it. The testimony of uh, Dr. Mildred Sargent of Lank, Lankin Heath, Suffolk, England, brings out another aspect of Will, Wigglesworth holy boldness. Here's the account in our own words used by her permission, on her permission. <laughs> This is interesting. He says, about 1933, I was, this is a woman, I was on a campaign on, um, in Essex with Smith, Smith Wigglesworth. The day before he finished his campaign, he said, now, tomorrow night I will just speak. You take the rest of the meeting, find the hymns, read the lesson, do everything, I will just do the speaking. I spent a lot of time selecting hymns. This is the, the woman talking. And the scripture portion to be read. I felt this was important because he was a very great man. I was only 23 and he was 74. We got to go to the meeting, got up to go to the meeting next night, which was Sunday. And, and up he jumped. He always had his glasses on the end of his nose and sort of looked up over the top of them. He said, we'll have a hymn. And we did. He said, we'll pray. He prayed. Then he said, we'll have another hymn. And after that, he said, we'll read a portion. And he took his New Testament out of his pocket. I thought, oh, he's forgotten all about me leading the service and doing everything but the preaching. But I'm not going to remind him. Then he said, we'll have another hymn. We did. And when he got to the last two lines of the last verse, he turned to me and said, you've got to preach next. Maybe I should try that. That'd be interesting. My legs turned to jelly. My mind went blank. To this day, I cannot tell you a word of what I said. Afterwards, he said to me in a rather gruff voice, I'm going to roll you out before I've finished with you. Why, I asked, what have I done? It isn't what you've done. It is what you haven't done. When I asked what he meant, he said, well, you, you can't run away and get ready when an emergency arises. The child of God is always ready. When I'm traveling by train and people know I'm on that train and it stops at a station even for five minutes, I'll go to the window and they will say, have you got a word from the Lord? Of course I got a word from the Lord. The child of God always has a word from the Lord. You've got to be ready, girl. You can't run away and get ready. You've always got to be ready. Uh, I'm going to skip this. Let's see. This is interesting. He says, when Smith Wigglesworth went to the Middle East to preach, his guide in Jerusalem was Tom Kemp, a missionary. Kemp had related what Wigglesworth did once to his interpreter, a government official who spoke classical Arabic. The man apparently was in some sort of bondage, which brought a stiffness into the service, and the evangelist could not endure. So he decided to deal with it. 
he began to tell of a paralyzed man who'd come to him for prayer. As he spoke the words, there was a man who was paralyzed and I took hold of him like this. He turned and grabbed the interpreter by the throat and said, I said, loose him and let him go. Didn't even know what was happening. The spirit of God came on the interpreter and he was liberated. But see how he did it tactfully. Wigglesworth said, from then on, we had the freest meeting I've ever had in my life. Oh, let me find. I'm kind of skipping this. Here's what I wanted. I wanted you to see. He was outspoken about church membership methods. He did not believe in adding names just to increase the role. Now, listen to this statement. Now, are you listening? Quoting Acts 2.47, he would say, Notice that the Lord added to the church daily. If the Lord adds them, there'll be a blessing. But if you take in any that the Lord hasn't added, there'll be a nuisance. Yeah, I thought that was great. I would rather have the Lord build the church one by one than than have half the town join it. And you know what? That's what we, all these years, have believed. I've never robbed other sheep. Never will. Never went to marketing schemes to try to get people into church. Never will. But you let the Lord add to the church daily. Then God will bless you. Amen? I'm going to stop there. That's, would you say he's a little different? Now... One more story. This is what Mike Keyes had shared with me. When Mike, Apostle Mike was at Ramah, Lester Summerall was there. And he, he, it was right before he was going to leave to go to the Philippines, and he wanted to hear Lester Summerall. So he went, and, and uh, Lester Summerall was ministering. And then he called for the people, anybody that wanted to be healed, to come forth. And he was very blunt and very bold, just like Smith Wigglesworth. Well, Mike Key said there was a man in the back, and this was at Ramah, in the back of the auditorium, and he had a, I don't know if he had a, a walker, and he was going really slow to get up to the front. And so he started on the end, and this old, older boy that had something wrong with him, he couldn't talk very well. So he, he started on the other and went to each person, laid hands on them, and then would step back and say, okay, are you healed? Yes, I'm healed. Okay, well, then go sit down. Got all the way down to this old man with the, the walker. He says, come forth, put his hands on him, he said, prayed for him for his healing, and he stepped back and he said, are you healed? And he couldn't talk while he says, well, I don't know. And he says, get back to your seat. He turned around and he kicked him right in the butt. Meanwhile, can you imagine all the Ramah students? All the people, oh, dear God. They called Smith Wigglesworth a brute because of the way he treated people. And there's Hagen, who was the apostle of love, sitting up on stage, didn't say a thing, got up. Closed the meeting down. So Mike Keyes said, he sat there, stunned. And he said, Father, 
Was that right? Was that in order? Is that, is that your love? God didn't speak to him. Years later, he was in Kentucky or Tennessee out in the country. Yeah, guest minister, some little old country church. He said there weren't very many people there. The door opened, and here came this old man. Same old man walked in, sat down, and uh, Mike said, God answered me. He said, he'll never be healed, and he'll die. wasn't long. He was dead. So God answered him years later. So, you know, folks, now, if some of us were to try that, you better, you better be anointed. Or you'll get sued. But do you see? He just didn't have the faith. He, wasn't, he, he didn't get it. He didn't, you know, and people probably thought, you know, <laughs> some or all was, you know, terrible. But the man died, probably in heaven but he didn't receive what he could have received because of words. Interesting story, I thought. Amen. I wished I could have been there. We never saw anything like that, did we? Quite that exciting. So the apostle is a sent one. We said there were different kinds of apostles, church-planting apostles who plant, appoint leaders, and move on. You remember the scripture in 1 Corinthians 3, 5, verse 8 says, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Two different apostles, two different functions. One planted, one watered, but God gave the increase. Then there's governmental apostles who stay with the work and expand the kingdom through various ministries locally. Then there's apostles with a specific message, like, like Smith Wigglesworth, Kenneth Hagin on faith, healing. We said without an apostle, and this is a good statement, without an apostle, you'll have a self-centered tunnel vision church. Let me say that once more. Without an apostle, you'll have a self-centered tunnel-visioned church. The function of an apostle, I'm just going to read this to you. He's a visionary, overseer of the vision. Apostles plant new works, implant the vision, and, and uh, or impart the vision and establish leadership. They see the big picture, the many functions of the church. They equip leadership to facilitate those various functions. They see the whole mission of the church, and they inspire the body with the vision of that mission. They motivate and lead leaders toward the God-given goals. They make room for the prophets, knowing that a healthy church is a prophetic church. And I, I thought that was so good. I want to go to a healthy church. So you better go to a prophetic church. They are kingdom-minded and are marked by revelation and a passion for the vision. Then there's the anointing they flow in. And... Uh, the anointing on an apostle will help keep the vision and the leaders on track. That anointing, anointing will help, dis, help them discern, confirm, and mentor leaders to set the church in proper order, establish and teach doctrine. We've already told you last time their foundation layer, and I'm not going to read that, but it, that's in 1 Corinthians 3.10 and Ephesians 2.20. 
And after churches are established, apostles can exercise authority over those churches they have established. So Mike Keys can't go into another town, into another church, and, and take authority. Unless he's what? His gift is received. So an apostle just can't has free license to go all over the nation and, and go into churches. No, you, you have to have relationship with people. And that's why we're so blessed we've had relationship with Mike Keys for how long? Decades. Now, let me read a little more from this book, just a page here. Because it, differenti- it differentiates apostles from prophets. Po- apostles are different from prophets, so they have specific tasks. Prophets have limited messages or purposes. Now listen. And the power of prophets is in their words. Apostles are sent forth to establish and build up groups of believers in all areas of the believers' lives. Apostles become fathers to their ministries and they may remain as heads of those ministries. Each apostle overseeing several leaders or they may move on as Paul did, handing over the established work to someone else. Now listen to this statement. The ministries of apostles are inclusive and broader than those of prophets. Furthermore, the foundations that endure are not their words, like the prophet, but their works. The hearts of apostles are tied into every area of what they're called to do. They see the overall ministry. They have a burden for their churches. Paul wrote that he was constantly under pressure of concern for all the churches. Apostles supernaturally know when a part of their work needs help or when a minister under their care is suffering. The hearts of apostles are big. Out of their big hearts flow a spiritual blessing and an anointing for those under them. Pastors, teachers, evangelists, the entire ministries under apostles are supernaturally empowered and protected by the Holy Spirit. Now listen to this statement. This is the reason Paul could release a sinful man. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, release this sinful man to Satan by withdrawing God's protective hand. I would say that's power, wouldn't you? When an apostle is present, unity and peace flow into the organization. Those who function under an apostle receive through the apostle the Holy Spirit's energy, zeal, and anointing. This is the way that the Holy Spirit flows from the apostles' innermost being. Um, signs, and I'm, I'm going to end with this because I, I have a book written by Rick Renner, and I, I didn't bring it. I'm not going to read it out of it. He is an apostle to Russia. How many of you know who Rick Renner is? I met the man um, when I was in Latvia, the most humble man. I've ever met, except for Jeff Rogers, as far as a ministry gift. There was just such a a purity and a humility. And he he wrote a book, and and, uh, he talks about the signs of an apostle. I really would, one verse, I'd like you to look in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 12. I think that's it. You know, I, I, I know some of you have had teaching before on the five-fold ministry gifts, but we're getting new people in the world. Let me just put Steve and Darla on the spot. Grew up Lutheran, congregational, but then ended up in the Lutheran church. 
Were, we, were you ever taught this? The fivefold ministry? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Do you have a Bible? Yeah, you do. It's in there. Why don't you suppose you were taught that? Because it didn't flow with their theology and what they believed. And, uh, but are you kind of getting a, a working knowledge of how we're different? We're all the body of Christ. Yes, yeah, Steve went like this. We're different. We're all the body of Christ. But do you see the difference? And what we what we teach and preach and it's it's almost better to deal with heathen like you, Zach, because you didn't have a lot of religious background. It's it's easier. But people that come out of a religious background, it's different. You weren't taught this, Kaylee, in the the function, right? Um, in Second Corinthians twelve. Uh, okay, twelve, twelve. Here it is. I'm right. Verse eleven. Signs of an apostle. I have become a fool in boasting. You have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended by you. For nothing, nothing was I behind the most eminent apostles. Though I am nothing. This is the apostle Paul speaking. Now listen, verse twelve. Truly, the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance in signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. And I I read that years ago in his devotional. And I'll never forget this. And, and, uh, well, don't let me get ahead of myself here. I want to take a couple words here. In the King James, it doesn't use the word perseverance. It uses patience. Truly, the signs of an apostle, instead of accomplished, I think it says wrought, were wrought among you with all patience in signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. The word accomplished or the word wrought means a work that is totally consuming or dominating, a work that takes every ounce of one's being. That describes the opposite. Look at my keys. Did that take all these years? Work, hard work, going into the Philippines. When he started going up into the mountains and preaching the gospel, that word wrought or accomplished, a work that is totally consuming or dominating, a work that takes every ounce of one's being. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. Now listen, here's another word. But I labored more abundantly than they, than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Now that word labored, what's labor mean? What's an easy work for work? Work. He says, the Apostle Paul had a work ethic and was not afraid of work. Now what did he do when he needed money? He made tents. He had a tent ministry, okay? He had a work ethic and was not afraid of work. The apostolic ministry demands the highest level of commitment and work. And here's some what the apostolic, I'm quoting Rick Renner, the apostolic ministry includes this. Number one, going into territory where the church is non-existent. Dealing with aggressive and hostile governments, 
facing the opposition of false religions opposed to one's very existence, pushing the evil forces of the demonic realm out of the way, taking converts from the bleakness and blackness of paganism and turning them into living, breathing members of the body of Christ. So, but what I want you to see, and this is what he emphasized when he was talking about the signs of an apostle. The first sign is patience. Say patience. The first sign is patience and perseverance. And it's the Greek word hupomino. A person who is under some type of incredibly heavy load, but who refuses to stray from his position because he's committed to his task. Mike Keyes has been committed to his task for decades. Could he have quit? Sure. Did he have hard times? Sure. I've, he's had times where hurricanes had you know, come into the compound and, and, and just literally destroyed their buildings. He's had to deal with corrupt governments. He's, he's sure proud of his brigadier general, though, isn't he? Um, so he's had, he's had it tough, but he's, he stayed put. Another word for this in the Greek, as far as perseverance, it's staying power. Hang in their power. God's grace and favor is on them who stay on the front lines and stick it out. Any the, anyone that can stay at his God-given task day after day, year after year, is truly a supernatural sign. And I'll end with this story, and I wish you knew Jeff Rogers. How many of you know who Jeff Rogers is? He's been, since we started in the, back in the 80s, FCF helped him. He had wells. They needed water. And didn't we come up with money? We raised money once for something about digging wells. Do you remember that? Yeah. I know there's a backstory, but whatever. Whenever she does this, I know there's a backstory. But they helped him to a degree, not what I, they said they would. That's part of the backstory. I can't imagine promising a man of God something and then not following through. That, that's, that's, that's just beyond me. But this man and his wife, Kareen, and they had two sons. One's Caleb, if I remember right, about the same age, ended up in Zimbabwe first. Well, then they got run out of there. And uh, now they're in Malawi. They've been there for years. They've established a hospital. Wait, how many of you saw the, remember the video? That's Jeff Rogers. A hospital and uh, their teach. what's that? Training center and uh, teaching the people how to grow crops. And I'll never forget, I, he hasn't been back for, oh my. I, I'd take him at a heartbeat again, but he just hasn't been back to the States now with COVID. He, He's stranded there for now. We we support him. I think we send how much a month? Four or five five hundred dollars a month. He came and and uh, Rick Renner and him are two just sweet men of God. But I'll never forget standing back there. Remember when we had the bookstore? And uh, in that bookstore we had Rick Renner's book. It was his first devotional. 
And, and Jeff Rogers was standing there, and we were talking about the apostle and, and, and the signs of an apostle, and he just looked at me. See, he's a missionary. He's, he's a sent one, but he's also an apostle. And I said, you know what one of the most important signs of an apostle is? And he said, what? And for me to, just young, telling him, I was honored. I said, come here. Here's the book. It's yours. Look on this page. Read what Rick Renner wrote about. The first sign of an apostle is perseverance. Hang in there. Staying put. And I gave him the book. Because that would describe that man of God. And uh, so I, I hope you've got kind of a working knowledge now of the Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Pat. We could have taken months and, and gone over this. But uh, let's stand up. Uh, we don't have time for that. We've got to get into other subjects and do other things. Everyone say Apostle, Apostle. Prophet, Apostle. Evangelist, Evangelist, Pastor, Pastor. Teacher. Harvest Church needs all five. Amen. So we don't get tunnel vision, right? Okay. Um, Pastor Brad, why don't you come? Why don't you, Lark, kind of give him a background? Got a mic. What's the, the family's name? Uh, the baby's name is uh, Jackson Decker. Jackson. Well, if anybody should understand. So let's, let's get in agreement. Go ahead. Well, Father, we just thank you. You don't make babies without a purpose and a plan to accomplish here on this earth. And so I thank you, Lord, that it is your will and your desire for this child to live and to not die, Father God. So, Lord, I thank you that we can speak your word, we can speak life, we can speak death, but, Lord, tonight we speak life to that baby and we bind death in Jesus' name. Lord, I speak to that baby's brain Develop in Jesus' name. I speak to that baby's lungs. Develop and breathe on your own in Jesus' name. I speak to all of that baby's organs. Life and life more abundantly, Father God. I thank you that you are a miraculous, miracle-working God. And I am excited, Lord, to hear a praise report of the miracles you are doing in that baby's room, even right here, right now, as your word goes forth. And your word is health and life unto that baby. This night, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And Father, we lift up Carl Fuelberth and Nancy and their family. Carl's father. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're the comforter. 
the strengthener, the advocate, the helper, and the intercessor. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you touch each one of the family members' hearts, their mind, will, and emotions. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for your your goodness and your mercy to prevail in the days ahead and every decision, decision that's made. Your angels are encamped around every member that travels. No weapon formed against them shall prosper. And my God shall supply all of their need, every ticket, every dollar, in the name of Jesus. We thank you this night in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Anything else? This donut day. Oh, my, I better go get them donuts. God bless you. Thank you, folks.